Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite underwater basket weaving podcast, The Shock Factor, where I am joined by Jordan Schusterman, and I'm Stephen Shock. And it's been a while since I introed, so here we are. Jordan, how are you doing today? Steve, it is so good to see you. It is Tuesday morning. We have our Super Regional set. We just watched a boatload of baseball. Jake Mintz is still in France, which means it'll just be me and Steve here once again. I think Jake will be back next week, so you don't have to deal with just us for that much longer. On this episode of The Shock Factor, we are going to review all the regional action, all of it. We're going to go pitch by pitch from every single game and make sure you did not miss a single thing. And then we will preview. No, that's not what's going to happen. That would be miserable for everybody involved. But we are going to uh, give you our, our our favorite moments from the weekend, run through all 16 regionals, and then give you a little bit of a preview because the Supers are set. We finally got our host sites. We know it will be Hattiesburg and not Knoxville. And so we're going to rank the eight Supers for the ones we are most excited for. I'll be honest, I'm excited for all of them, obviously, but some a little bit more than others. And I'm excited to see how you rank those two. But Steve, before we start bouncing around the entire bracket, there's only one place we can begin. And that is Charlottesville, Virginia, where you decided to drive on down once again for what, like the fifth time this season. <laughs> it's not a not a short drive for you to go down from your home in Delaware. Uh, but obviously, if I were you, I would do the same thing. And uh, you got to watch the Who's win a Super or win a Regional and head to Supers for the first time since Stephen Shock was there. Uh, Steve, uh, take it, take it away. What what were your what were your takeaways from this uh, weekend? Other than that, Virginia's pretty good at baseball. Well, my my main hope is that Mrs. Schusterman, who created Jordan, is a psychic. And that wasn't just a slip up. He accidentally just leaked what's going to happen and that they will win supers. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, we'll see. It's Oops. a little, it's suspicious that they don't let you do picks, but if that's, you know, if it's like, Oh, well, he's psychic. Uh, if they I have know the script. I, I have the know. script. Yeah, exactly. But no, it was awesome, man. Just the environment to see the dish room park packed like that was something I hadn't seen before. Because, you know, when we host, when we did our thing, we played our last game in like April against Wake Forest. We played a series and that was our last home game. And that was kind of before everyone knew we were good. So I never really got to see it packed. So it was awesome to see just the support. I mean, ECU's fans showed up very well. They traveled really well. I was impressed with that. But the UVA faithful really showed out and honestly more than I could have ever even expected. It was, it was packed. Like, well, the other, so cool. The other thing about 2021 is obviously there were still COVID restrictions to some degree, right? I mean, we had a lot of empty ballparks. I know by the time you got to Omaha, it was a little different, but yeah, I mean, just seeing these environments across the country, but I'm sure for you, certainly a special place and, and they showed up and I know they, of course, you know, a couple close games there, uh, obviously they, they took care of business early. We were a little bit disappointed. We didn't get to see Connolly early against his old friends, but they didn't need him. They didn't even need him. Yeah, they were eliminated yeah. before they could even see him pitch. Um, but you know, credit to army. They battled Oklahoma, Oklahoma, you know, they, it was a little bit of an uneven showing, but I think they, they showed reasonably well. And then ECU, I mean, it, were you, when you were watching ECU and, and UVA, I mean, this is what we've been talking about was how, how did that feel? Because I yeah, know you, was... you, 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 you. I know you, you wanted to see success with the Pirates, but it just didn't really make sense this year. 
it, it was tough because I knew I was going to see one team I liked season come to an end. But I also focused more on the fact that I was going to see one team I liked season continue. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to see the Who's take care of business with, with the Pirates. I mean, it, it was a fun series the whole time. Like, they – they really brought some energy, and it wasn't wasn't just one sided matchups. I mean, the first time they faced off, it was two to one. Mm-hmm. Nick Parker pitched his absolute brains out, and then Jacob Berry came in and really he he showed me that he he has matured. He's he's really become just a great college bullpen guy. Just absolute nails out of the pen for the Who's. But you know, seeing guys like that develop it it's. It means a little bit more. I'm happy for all guys develop, but for me, you know, this one I have a personal connection to. I remember meeting Jake Barry my his freshman year. I was 24 at the time, so it, it was definitely a, a bit of an age gap there. But I remember I I saw him. He was young. He was new to the game. He he wasn't really sure what college baseball was all about, and uh, it it was fun to see him go out there in the wild, spread his wings on his own, and fly from the nest. Because he, not saying his freshman year he was just a little kid who needed to be coddled, because he wasn't. He was still a great pitcher, but there's maturity and like there, there's a sense of you see a freshman out there in a big situation, you can tell that they're nervous. When he was in this big situation, there was nothing except like I'm gonna win this game, which like. To me, that's what maturing as a college pitcher is like. It's moving from, okay, man, this could go poorly to having the mindset of I've done my preparation. I've put all the work in. Now it's time to just go out and have fun and shove and do what I'm supposed to do. Proud Papa Donkey. Uh, You got to You got to be feeling so good. And then, of course, then yesterday you get to watch Andrew Abbott just dominate in his big league debut, which is a little bit different, (laughs) but also similar in some respect. So we'll we'll save the MLB talk for another podcast. But that was also very cool. The one other thing I had to ask you about from this regional before we move on to the other ones is the Ethan O'Donnell home run. I just want to know where were you? How did you experience it? Like how I wanted to I wanted to get a sense for how nuts were you going? Like, were you trying to be half professional? Not that you needed to. I'm just saying like, what was your reaction? What was your viewpoint for that home run? And just tell me about that moment. So my reaction, unprofessional, Um, (laughs) of course, but I was sitting right behind home plate. So I don't know how, but the people I get my tickets through with UVA, it's just, of course, a few baseball operations people and Justin Armistead. I love you. If you're listening, thank you for the tickets. You're the best. Um, but he hooked us up. He put us right behind home plate, probably four rows back from uh, the fence. So we had a great view of it. Saw it right off the bat and like right off the bat, I was like, Oh God, that is gone. Um, but I do this thing as a fan where I don't, I like my biggest fear is doing the uh, on a fly ball. Cause then, then it's like, okay, you just essentially got to your breaking point for a Mm. pop-up. So that's kind of embarrassing. So I try not to do that. And for a long time, a lot of the time when I was seeing home runs, they were flying over my head. So I could get a very good idea of when they were going to, if they were going to go out or if they were staying in. So from a fan perspective, it's a little different, but oh my gosh, I went nuts. 
he uh he clobbered that ball ethan o'donnell is one of those guys who like he's such a good teammate to everybody else of course he's a transfer new to the program and he's just he did such a good job of instantly fitting in with the guys and fitting in with the team in general so to see him come through with his bat in that moment was just so awesome and then of course you get anthony stefan hitting a little Weird inside the Parker, not inside the Parker. Could have been an inside the Parker. I still haven't Googled it. Um, but, you know, two runners on. He belts a ball. He, I think it was Jake Geloff got intentionally walked right before him. So, you know, ECU trying to dodge the long ball, of course, and Jake Geloff. And so they put up Anthony Stefan. But what a lot of people don't know about him is he pummels baseballs. So <laughs> he, he not bad either. Yeah, it was one of those ones where Lane Hoover, who he took a home run away from Jake Geloff earlier, but Lane Hoover in center field for the Pirates, he jumps up, he just misses this ball, and it kind of hits off the wall a little awkward, but it's in a spot where the batter's eye and the wall are connected. So at UVA, the batter's eye runs up and flush to the wall. So it's hard for an outfielder to tell, like, hey, did that hit the batter's eye or the wall? So. He just kind of sat there while Anthony rounded the bases, but he's essentially already at second by the time it hit. Mm-hmm. So he, he was, he was going to easily get to third, even if the ball was caught up and potentially get to home, but no one got the ball. So he hit a home run too. It was uh it was a hell of a time. I'm so happy for you. Obviously excited for this weekend and uh, we'll preview the <laughs> super regional experience a little bit later on in the show, but let's start bouncing around the bracket because we do want to try and cover as much as possible here. So as we did to the, for our preview, we're just going to go down the left side, start at the top left with Wake Forest. Uh, if you want to do this with us, again, you just pull up the NCAA.com, pull up the bracket, you see the top left. We're just going to give our quick thoughts. Obviously, Steve was in Charlottesville, so he didn't get to watch every single regional the way I mostly did with squeeze play over the weekend. Uh, but so just kind of quick thoughts, quick takeaways from the regionals, quick moments that stood out. And we'll begin in Winston-Salem. This one's pretty straightforward. Uh, Wake Forest was like, hey, yeah, uh, we're the number one overall seed for a reason. And we, I think it was the fourth highest run differential uh, in a regional that we've, that we've seen, you know, since 1999. They win 12 to nothing. They win 21 to six and they win 15 to one. The 21 to six game over Maryland, which didn't start until 1045 was especially funny because it was like, ooh, maybe this can throw them off their game. They're like, uh, no, actually we're even better. <laughs> I hit a million homers against a good Maryland team. And then George Mason with the upset over Maryland, uh, making that championship against Wake Forest, probably even more easy, but credit to the Patriots getting, getting a couple regional wins there. That was, that was very cool to see them. I mean, that was uh, definitely a, a more, one of the more surprising teams in the tournament. So nice to see that. I would say a disappointing showing for both Northeastern and for Maryland on the whole, but what are you going to do? Wake Forest is the best. It's not even close. And it was, it was nice to see them kind of showcase that too. I mean, louder was, was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So uh, really nothing too shocking there. He, he was, he was delightful. Yeah. Wake Forest played three games and they scored 48 runs. If my 75% in math class is serving me well, you know, George Mason played one more game than them and they scored 35 runs total. So that is just a <laughs> nutty comparison to think about. Um, but just they, one run against Wake Forest in yeah. two games. They <laughs> so. use you gotta you gotta plan out when you're gonna use the run. So like if we yeah. if we do the math here, if George Mason goes, they'd saved some. 
you know what? Let's just beat Northeastern four to three because mm. eleven to three that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, then then we we have a little, we still wouldn't have enough. No, no, that. still not much. No, they, no one had a chance, yeah. and it's but, none of these teams' fault. It's a tough draw from Maryland Northeastern. Wake Forest moves on. They look as good as they could possibly look. Let's move on to Tuscaloosa. Had a little bit of rain in this one. This had some fun games. Troy and Alabama. Troy was awesome. But as we said in the preview, they had the most errors in the country coming into the tournament of all, all the tournament teams that came back to bite them. Really some really tough uh, defensive mistakes in that game against Alabama, which was really tough to watch. Uh, but ultimately, Alabama comes out on top and their bizarre season continue, continues. Credit to them. Boston College played pretty well. Joe Vitrano looked great. But I, it is cool to see this, this Alabama team continuing. Andrew Pinkney hitting one over the scoreboard. Uh, listen, tough task. They're going to go to Wake Forest now. Obviously, Alabama, I think, is is comfortably better than than the teams Wake Forest has seen so far. But at the same time, uh, good luck. <laughs> because I there's really nothing that they were going to do this weekend that was going to make me feel that good about them. But we can talk more about that, that super a little bit later. I, um, I think it's fun because, you know, we tried to throw Wake Forest off with the late game. Now we're just going to send them a group of crazy men from the South. <laughs> and no no guardian. No, That's true. No rules. I will say it'll be a nice pivot from the Northeastern kids that they just saw literally Northeastern and, you know, Maryland, George Mason, a little bit more East coast flavor. Let's bring in the tide. This will be a little bit different. All right, let's head on down to Coral Gables. Steve, you're going to be shocked to hear this. It actually rained a little bit down there. What? Um, So so that certainly uh, messed with the schedule a little bit. Uh, Main takeaways from this one. Uh, The main takeaway is of course, they aren't going to add times on the NCAA website next to these games because it's going to be anarchy. And <laughs> I feel like it would be a bad look to see what time these games were played. Um, but the main takeaways, it it was a lot more, a lot more crowded than I thought talent was mm-hmm. um, in Coral Gables. I was excited watching Yo-Yo Morales hit bombs. Oh, my God. I was hoping he could do it a little bit longer this year. But – I'm excited to watch Dylan Campbell and his friends hit home runs. But listen, so, man, Yo-Yo did his job. Seven homers in his last seven games. Um, and he had a couple two-homer games in there. Like, that is a hell of a way to finish your collegiate career. He did his part. The Miami pitching just wasn't quite up to the task, which is kind of what we were concerned about. Um, and Texas is solid. Like, Texas isn't maybe as flashy as they've been in years past, but they can really freaking play. And uh, I'm not surprised to see them in a super again. So credit to them. They earned it. But I mean, Yo-Yo might have made himself another, you know, 500, 600 grand in this last week or so, which is which is really impressive. Excited to see where he goes in the draft. Uh, another thing I want to mention is LBJ on the mound. For oh, Texas. my God. Yes. He is incredible. And yes. every every weekend, you know, he's got a very long name, LeBaron Johnson Jr., right? Mm-hmm. I believe so. They, they shorten it to LBJ. And I, I don't think. I think the conversation's over. I don't think Michael Jordan could locate a three-two slider. So I think I think LBJ is the goat now. Um, plain and simple, I think it needs to be talked about more. I agree. Uh, he's one of my favorite pitchers in college baseball. Fascinating delivery. Kind of a weird year. He had that amazing start against LSU midweek earlier in the year, and then he just sucked for like a month and a half, and then he kind of turned it back on down the stretch. So really interesting pitcher. Uh, CGs always love seeing CGs. We'll talk a little bit more about pitch count here uh, in a second. 
Uh, that's actually maybe a good transition to our next one. <clears throat> oh, oh, never mind. We have Stanford first. Sorry. We'll get to pitch count stuff here in a little bit. But congrats to Texas. They move on. Miami, just disappointing, but not a huge shock. Stanford, the final regional uh, to conclude last night against Texas A&M, beating the Aggies uh, yesterday in the final, if necessary, game. And I got to say, Texas A&M, salute. I am impressed. I am glad Stanford is moving on. <laughs> That's my takeaway here. San Jose State folks and they battled. AM did prove like watching them more. It was like, okay, this is actually a pretty solid team. I know I, I'm sorry to the AM fans who are like, why are you guys hating on us? They were actually more entertaining to watch than I expected. But still, this Stanford team is the one I want to see uh, continue and to see them get the job done, see see some big pitching performances down the stretch. Definitely some some concerns there, but I, I think they they did what they needed to do, and uh, Stanford moves on. Tommy Troy, what a freaking weekend! Also, just love watching homers launched into the trees at Stanford. Love that. It's so satisfying. It's so sad. Both both of them, both in both directions, right and left field, both have that. So satisfying. Both sides of the ball, or whoever whoever's hitting them, always super fun to watch. So that was a pretty pretty straightforward one. I mean, Stanford a little bit of a scare there. It would have been impressive for AM to pull it off, but Stanford will continue to represent West Coast baseball. <laughs> and we'll yeah, get to Oregon I, here a little bit later, but very impressive for them. Yeah, Stanford it's just one of those teams where you can watch the games leading up to Omaha or you can't, but they're probably they're probably just going to show up there regardless win, lose or draw. They'll probably be in Omaha just cuz I, I think that's what the players like. They won't know where to go otherwise. Like, it's you know true. how when you go to high school every day and then you graduate and then one day you're waking up and you're driving somewhere and like you drive halfway to the school and you're like, wait a minute, I don't go there anymore. It, it's kind of it might be one of those situations if they were to lose the super. So <laughs> we'll see. Great that call. Happens, Great call. They, had, they all would have just flown to Omaha, like out of instinct. I'm like, Why am I here? <laughs> we, we go we go now we go yes uh that's very funny all right let's move down to baton rouge a lot of rain thunder lightning in this one um paul skeen sets the tone against tulane cg everyone's losing their mind why are we throwing paul skeens against tulane in the first place why is paul skeen still in in a five-run game throwing 120 pitches um here is my basic take on this was it unnecessary for paul skeen's to be pitching in the ninth inning of a five-run game against a team that lost 40 games? Yes. Was it reckless and dangerous? No. <laughs> because Paul Skeens, who is an absolute behemoth, and I know he is a big I know the draft prospect, throwing 128 pitches on eight days rest is just not... Pitch counts do not bother me when they are on normal rest. It really does not. I mean, sure, there's a number. 150, 160, whatever. 120, to me, there's no difference between 105 and 120. Most guidelines say 120 on full rest is normal. I know we don't see that anymore in major leagues now, so we're all terrified of it. The pitch count itself does not bother me. Could you say it was a little bit overkill to have him throwing 100 against Tulane in the ninth inning? Sure, yeah, yes. I I would hope they would have had someone else to close it out. But ultimately, I thought it was totally reasonable from Jay Johnson to do that. Set the tone for the regional, and then the rain kind of messed with everything else. Oregon State battled. Nice to see Sam Houston put up a bunch of runs against Tulane, but they were kind of overmatched after that. So nice showing from Oregon State, and then the LSU offense just kind of balled out uh, after yeah. that. My, my problem with... Paul Skeens this weekend is a different hundred throwing over a hundred miles an hour against Tulane 
is overkill in itself. That is that is not fair. That is too damn fast for anybody. All right. So let's let's pump the brakes there. But also let's remember not too long ago in the year around 2000 ish, maybe the 90s. I'm not really certain the the time frame on this. But whenever Ben McDonald played in college at LSU, he was the Friday night starter and the Sunday closer. Not just like in weird situations like must. Well, we got to win here. It's like. We're playing a weekend series against Nichols. Okay, Nichols, this is Ben McDonald. He's going to torment you all weekend for probably – he's going to be in more than half the games we play, and he's a pitcher. But he, he would throw like 100 – I think he said the max. It was on a broadcast. I've been trying to Google it, and I can't. But I think he said the max he threw was 125, and then he came back on Sunday and threw. So – this isn't that outlandish. Ben McDonald is alive. I've talked to him. He can still shake hands. He's fine. I've seen him hold things with his right hand. It, He's good. He, ben McDonald is good. He's alive and well, and he threw over 100 pitches before. Paul Skeen's alive and well, and he's mm-hmm. thrown over 100 pitches before, and he will continue to be alive and well. And when your bullpen has been a little shaky – especially in game one, you don't want any tomfoolery. You don't want to move to the loser's bracket early because then you use a lot of pitching and you really need your bullpen to win games. So I, I'm fine with it. I think it makes a lot of sense. I love Ben McDonald on the broadcast. I am going to humbly say I hope that Paul Skeens is healthier than Paul, than Ben McDonald over his career because yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. not say that Ben McDonald was the picture of health during his uh, major league career but the the basic thing basic point I agree with and yeah he Thanks. wasn't using a short rest we'll get to Tanner Hall here in a second but I'm fine with it we'll see how they manage him moving forward Jay Johnson is well aware of the situation with Paul Skeens he knows he does not want to jeopardize this kid's ability to go high in the draft. He he knows that. And we'll see. He'll obviously he's going to be, he'll have to be true to his word as this, as this tournament goes on, but we will see how that goes. We go to Lexington, Steve, Kentucky, taking this one. The apparently uh, sleeping in the dorms was, was not good enough for the road teams here. Um, I would say the big takeaway here was just kind of a disappointing showing from West Virginia team. We we're really excited about, but Indiana showed out big 10 really represented the big 10. Well, there, um, and I know they ended up losing twice uh, in, in, in the in the regional final uh, after beating them in the in the 1-0 game. But still a really strong showing from Indiana. They seem to kind of run out of pitching. And Kentucky got the job done. Another team that's kind of like Alabama, not necessarily the flashiest, but they get a lot of older players and they, they really know what they're doing. So impressive for Kentucky and a big challenge. I mean, going out of Baton Rouge and, and you know, they, they did earlier this year and they think they got a game, um, I believe. But... This is uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they can they can shock the world here uh, in Baton Rouge. But yeah, I, I really didn't have that many other takeaways from this regional. Yeah, it was kind of just like yeah, yeah it's kind of like staying in a seven, dorm. So that was good. Yeah. But it's yeah, like you know, you stay in a dorm. It's all right. Still here. It's kind of like staying in a dorm. That that regional is like okay, happened, and that's that. We'll see you in the next round. So. I'm excited to watch Kentucky play against LSU. I think it'll be a fun series to watch. Another SEC weekend series here in June. So (laughs) it'll be fun to see. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. 
Pretty classic. All right, we move down to Auburn. Speaking of the SEC, this SEC team did not make it out of their regional. Uh, also had some weather issues down there, but the, this is an obvious one. Two main stories in this regional. Uh, Auburn going on two, sorry, three. One, Auburn going on two. Two, the freaking quick show. Oh, they came so freaking close to getting to a super for, I guess it would be the first Ivy League team to ever reach a super regional. Um, unbelievable showing. Such a fun team to watch. And so, credit to Southern Miss, who just were not going to be denied. And after losing that first game to Stanford, Southern Miss just decided, hey, we are going to win four games here. And we are we are not letting this season go to die this easily. And they just came storming through the loser's bracket. Really impressive. And now they get to host a Super Regional and they earned it. Uh, but hats off to the Quake Show. So much fun. I think you wearing the jersey during the bracket reveal certainly helped and uh, certainly was earned to get that kind of respect from such an important national personality like at Big Donkey 47. And I think you will continue to wear that pen jersey proudly because uh they 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 balled out, man. They were they were fantastic. Yeah, I'll wear it proudly mainly just because I wear it to all my job interviews, but it they they played so well and they got really, really close to doing something amazing, which no one expected them to do. Everybody probably expected them to go to Auburn, you know, get kicked around and get sent home. But they were in the winner's bracket on Sunday, which is incredible for any team, any smaller school going in the SEC, and you're still playing on that team's field when they're done. Are you kidding me? Good for you, Quake Show. I was excited for the Oma Oats. I was going to push heavily for that <laughs> um, because Penn and Philadelphia don't really roll into Omaha. So next year, Oma Oats 2024, I'm feeling it. Um, things Quake Shomaha. What about yeah. Quake Shomaha? Oh wow, that's way better. <laughs> okay, where were There's you? A, where were wait. you the past two weeks? <laughs> As you say, next year. Yeah, They'll next year. Quake yeah. Shomaha. Love that. Love and, that. And but, also, I love that it again. It, it like really manifested in the way that we talked about in the preview, where like this is the arena where the Ivy Leaguers are like rootable underdogs, right? Because in every other walk of life. It's like f these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, you're gonna. We're at a job interview. You meet someone from Penn. I'm I'm walking out. I'm not right. getting that. Right. So it it's just it's a funny concept. It's and great. It was so much fun to watch them have success. And I hey, know, also Wyatt Hensler's awesome. I hope he plays in pro ball. He should have been drafted last year, and um, I hope he gets a shot because he's a really really damn good player. So and and you know what? If not NASA. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, um, they, obviously, all these guys will be fine regardless. Uh, but hey, Southern Miss, they got the job done. We'll talk about them here in a little bit. Oh, baby, Steve, let's talk about Clemson. Let's do it. Clemson. Wow. Um, this, they've been handling it. This freaking delivered. Okay. Highlighted it immediately during the bracket reveal. Oh, my God, that one of the games going to be lit. Never could have imagined. What was it? 12, 13 innings. One of the crazier games we've seen. One of the best regional games we've ever seen. Both teams desperately trying to win. Both teams desperately trying to lose. <laughs> it was yeah, it. it was really something. But Steve, I have to bring up something that I just I texted Rooney about it. You've played at Clemson, correct? Correct. Yes. Steve, they don't have okay. a warning track. No, they don't. They have a little hill. What? What? what what's what's the deal what i i what it looks so goofy i and i maybe i don't know how i've never noticed this before this, it just looks so funny 
And I so couldn't take my eye off. if you've never noticed it before, if you want it to look even worse, focus on just the foul lines for a game. Because <laughs> oh, no. they... I did, particularly the right field foul line. We... It looks... So we I just I just want to understand that. it better. I would like someone. Uh, there have to be people listening to this who understand Clemson. Like, I get this is how it's always been. Like I don't understand. I don't know the history of it, but as someone who has fielded fly balls there during batting practice, I can lay it out a little bit for you. So we got to Clemson to practice before our series against them in the year of 2021, and we get off the bus, and immediately first thing I notice that. I can't get away from is the fact that the the foul lines towards the end by the fence look completely curved. And like it's like an optical illusion. You look at them from every angle except from home plate, they're curved. But from home plate, they're perfectly, perfectly straight. And the reason for this is because they have a little warning hill. So there's no warning track, but it's just a gentle incline, probably – it, it's probably a triangle where the base of it, like if you're, if it's a right angle by the wall and the short end is the wall, that's probably like three feet higher than, or two feet higher mm-hmm. than the origin point, about four feet away from the wall. So you can feel when you're getting close to the wall. But the reason I think it's so interesting is because it leads to a lot of funky robbed home runs where like it's like the guys get a power boost because it's like, oh, that that ball is so far over his head. There is no up up. Wait till he runs uphill. Wait till he runs uphill a little bit. Add two feet. Um, I can't remember who their center fielder was when I played there, but I remember he robbed two off of us like fairly easily. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this is the best baseball player in the world. And then I was like, oh, wait, the hill definitely has to help. Still hard, still very hard, but a little easier than a regular rob. I just, I, again, I don't know how I've never noticed it before. It's so strange, but whatever. You just gotta feel it. Yeah, it is very weird. Okay. And then the other obvious, so the game, I mean, to, we could do a whole podcast on the, the 1 0 game, but we'll, we'll spare you. But obviously, the big takeaway from there and the big talking point was the ejection and suspension of freshman Cam Canarella. I mean, to me, like this is, you know, where we're going to stand on this. This is ridiculous. And I, it's embarrassing. And to me, what, and I think they've said this on their podcast before, like, I just wish there was some sort of review or appeal process because there has to be some level of, of kind of safety net for an umpire making this ridiculous decision where other people can look at the scenario and be like, either say, obviously you can't undo an ejection, but from a suspension situation, a suspension to me should not be automatic. At least there has to be some sort of safety net because that's the part that is so disappointing and so unfair to these kids. And that's what sucks. And that's where the umpiring is just completely out of control and where that's more of an NCAA policy, right? Like, the umpire is not necessarily the umpire is not. I don't think the umpires want to suspend the players, right? That's an NCAA decision. But the problem is that the umpires are obviously in a lot of cases, not handling these situations. Well, as hard as their job is and the repercussions are completely ridiculous. And that's the issue here that I'm sure no matter what happened, the umpire was not thinking, I don't think you should play tomorrow. 
he just reacted for whatever reason and said, you don't shouldn't be in this ball game anymore. And those two things should not go together when the stakes are this high for any player, not just one of the best players on the team. It's, it's just not should It's true for the players on the bench too. It should not be part of this. And that is what's so disappointing. Is it the reason Clemson lost the regional? I don't think so. Um, but I know you're going to feel that way and I understand it. Um, but it sucks. And uh, that's really kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's a stupid rule. I'm not mad at the umpires who have to enforce it. I don't get mad at my fork when it brings me bad food. I get mad at the food for being bad. Um, so that's kind of just the way it goes. But it it's one of those things where I think hopefully there's been enough people saying, hey, this is stupid, that the NCAA will look at it and say, hey, this is stupid. How can we make it better? And they'll spend the summer working on that, hopefully. Um, I, of course, have my ideas to where if they want to have, if they do want to truly have a great summer and go off, then let Steve handle it. Because mm. the solution is right here in front of us where we just mic up one umpire. Like like the review process where they do call on the field stands or doesn't in some places. We just say what was said. Um, and you can clean it up. You can give the gist of it. Just, you know, the center fielder has been ejected um, for telling the shortstop of the other team that he's going to do asinine things to his family dog and goldfish. Um, and then everyone's like, the crowd's like, all right, yeah, yeah all right. that's that's probably an ejection. Uh, the funnier version is like, you, you present it and then the fans vote. Yeah, American <laughs> problem, Idol on the, the problem, screen. Steve. Steve, but the problem, I mean, this is a great idea. And by that, I mean, it's a terrible idea, but it's very funny. But the real issue is, again, you would need more of a third party. Like Clemson, yeah. they don't care. They could say anything about his goldfish and they're not going to vote Cam Canarella off the field. <laughs> yeah, so. what? We, we need a non-biased party of peers mm -hmm. to uh, a jury of peers, some might yeah. say, to do this. But I'll be on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing. I'm Steve willing to be reasonable. I'll sit in my room like the guy from New York and just wait for things to happen and review it. <laughs> um, that's a hilarious idea. Uh, other things from this regional. I mean, Charlotte strong showing. Andrew Lindsay balling out against this old team. He looked great. Dolander did not look great. Burns looked both great and not great. I mean, he him throwing like a hundred pitches in relief because he's still sort of a starter was was amazing uh, and kind of a mess to watch but really impressive from Tennessee and particularly to see their offense travel. And that's going to be very relevant uh, in this next, this next round here, because they're not going to be going back to their, their home confines of Lindsey Nelson. They're going to have to keep balling and hitting home runs on the road. Very impressive, especially Christian Moore to see what he did this weekend. So credit to the Vols. They move on. And that is obviously a super, we are all looking forward to. All right. Halfway through the bracket. Let's uh, let's roll through these, I guess more than that. Cause we did UVA. Let's go to Gain Gainesville. Um, this one was, was interesting just because Texas deck, a little bit of a scare there for the number two overall seed, uh, the red Raiders winning that one Oh game, Florida bouncing back their pitching, showing up, particularly their bullpen, really impressive. Jack Caglione, uh, retaking the national home run lead with 31 and Cam Fisher is now eliminated. So he will continue to stack those dingers, uh, all postseason long. Um, but yeah, I didn't know again, UConn, Maybe a little disappointing, but not really. Texas Tech, Gavin Cash, just the huge homers against Florida was really impressive. But then Florida kind of course corrected and did what we expected from them. And as I think you're happy. And my favorite, again, 
just quickly, uh, their the victory laundry tweets were uh, outstanding uh, from those student managers. Love to see that. Yeah, their student managers are great people. They're the reason that there's a Florida hat right behind me because they gave that to me. They're very nice people. Um, you mentioned Cam Fisher hitting a lot of home runs for Charlotte and uh, and getting passed by Jack Caglione. And, you know, they had a bit of a rocky first go at it moving into the loser's bracket. You know what Florida could use? Could use Cam Fisher. You know what Florida had last season? Cam Fisher. That's nuts to think Wait, about. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty certain that he true? transferred I, from Florida. I was like, yeah, because because yeah. he got the home run lead, and or he no 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 I misspoke I misspoke <laughs> I'm talking about someone from uh FGCU. Yeah, you're thinking about someone else. I was yeah. like, I I and sorry, oh, we can't edit this. It happens. Oh uh, no. I was like, no. I was like, hold on. I, was, I feel like I would yeah. have known by now if Cam Fisher came from. No, <laughs> no, I got them mixed up because they both hit a ton of jacks, and there was like one week where they were all tied, you and are so thinking, they all blended together. You're thinking of Chris Armstrong. Chris Armstrong, yes, yes, yes. Different, different regular name. Yeah, different, if, regu- which is a problem. That's baseball. That's baseball. Yeah. That's a problem. So yes, Chris I, I could be smarter for Jacksonville. Yeah. They were not in the tournament, so. Yeah. It's okay. He ended Steve. up with a lot, and Florida could have used more. Always, he did. you could always use more jacks, but he did. It's okay. It's okay. It happens, Steve. Either, Either way, way, I'm excited to watch Florida. They are fun <laughs> to watch. Jack Caglione, 31 bombs. Wow, one away from the BB core record, I believe. And that's so, that's going to be yeah, and that that will be a big storyline uh, this upcoming weekend, I'm sure. And they will t- be taking on South Carolina Gamecocks, who come out of their own regional. And I got to say, this was so impressive. Because South Carolina, down the stretch, injured, ugly, bad. It was like, oh, my God, are we really going to reward this team? It was so good early, and we're really going to give them a host. And they were like, give us a host, and we be rolling. And that's what they did. 19-1, to 6-3, to 16-7. They were hitting a ton of homers. They looked like the South Carolina of early April. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this one was pretty straightforward. Campbell, a little disappointing showing. NC State showing some fight. Campbell ba- uh, battles back, but South Carolina was in control the whole time. And this looked like what I would have expected a South Carolina regional to look like two months ago. Yeah. So for any regional, if you're, if you're in the winner's bracket and the feeling of playing you is shut up, get back to the loser's bracket. That is a good, good feeling. Like looking at the scores of this, it's like, Central Connecticut's like, hey, we'll play the Gamecocks. Get out of here. Slap them. Okay. <laughs> NC State's like, hey, look. <laughs> you know, we played. We, we did just okay. beat Campbell. Yeah. We, we're, we're kind of feeling ourselves. South Carolina, get back down there. Campbell's like, hey, sir, it's me. <laughs> we, we, we beat NC State pretty good. Um, can we try playing you? Yeah, you can try 16-7, see ya. Um, but they just dominate, and that's how you got to be if you want to win these. You, you got to dominate the winner's bracket because anyone who can claw out of the loser's bracket, and if you give them any even little glimmer of hope, they're going to take it and try to shove it right back at you. So mm-hmm. you got to – it's ruthless. You got to be at each other's throats, and this one just feels like, one of the ones kind of like Wake Forest where it was like, okay, we'll try. 
Um, we'll, we'll try to talk to him, but I don't think it's going to go well. And that's how it was. So it was really yeah. fun to see, especially with South Carolina being banged up. I know people have been concerned with how their season has been going because South Carolina fans are always concerned with that, which I appreciate how much they care. But I promise you that this team is heading in the right direction and it'll be fun to watch them moving forward. Amen, brother. Let's head to Conway. I know you're excited about this one, rooting for Coastal, hoping that Coastal could make a little run as a host mid-major. Um, but hey, and it, and it was came down to the, that last day, and it was close, and, and and you know, Coastal did battle well there after losing to Ryder. Sorry, first of all, shouts out to the Bronx. Holy shit, that was probably my favorite. I think that was my favorite four-seed upset by far, even more than Penn, Oral Roberts, like, those teams, of course, we those teams were, were really good. Like there was there was some frisky for them. Ryder, it was like, who knows? Okay, the Bronx, <laughs> whatever. We're from and here. They, go. they they beat Coastal. That was incredible. That was an incredible game. Um, and then you know Coastal gets their revenge, and then Duke, man, Duke comes out of it. Duke had been just been playing. So they have been playing so well consistently over the last month and a half. Their D3 transfers showing out big time in that final game. MJ Metz, who is Tim Elkoing right now, hitting homers on a torn uh, ACL. Very impressive. Uh, love to see that. Him coming from Trinity, Texas. Alex Gow coming from Kenyon, pitching that last game. He looked fantastic. Their bullpen, Fran O'Shell looked good. Um, and yeah, Duke, Duke's good, man. I'm not, I'm not surprised to see them come out of this at all. I think it was surprising as, as Aaron fit pointed out, it was, it was very surprising to see the coastal offense go cold in that last game after scoring 10 runs, 13 runs, eight runs in those first three games, to only score three really says a lot about that Duke pitching. So I'm sure you're a little bit bummed for the, for the chance. Uh, but, but Duke really earned it. Yeah, I was hoping they could pull it off for Coach Gilmore. I believe this was his final season, which he, he's been such a legend down in, in Conway and has done a lot of really great things for that program, really put them on the map. So, mm -hmm. of course, wishing him the best. But, look, if you're Coastal Carolina or UNCW and you're like, damn it, I want to get back at, at the guys who knocked me out, you know, if you're UNCW or, you know, or – I want, I want a rematch. The good news is in about three months, you are going to play each other in fall ball or four <laughs> months, depending on when scheduling three or four it. months. Yeah. You got that unfinished business to take on in the in metal bleachers ball. in front of 500 people, maybe. So <laughs> let's do it. Minor correction. Uh, Gary Gilmore retiring after next year. Okay. So he, he will have okay. one last Last hurrah, which is good to hear. Okay, good. Um, so they'll have one more chance to kind of get. I mean, whatever, they already won. Like it's not like yeah. it's not like yeah, he has, yeah. He doesn't really have unfinished business. Like he's already <laughs> no. you know accomplished an unbelievable amount with that program. But yeah, no, he's got padding resume to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly. it. So he will have one more year. But credit to Duke, very excited. And I will say too, uh, Steve, Coastal not advancing will make it even easier for you to root for UVA against Duke. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So that's a, that's a layup. All right. Four more here. We go to Nashville. This was kind of a weird sleepy regional. Also some rain and lightning delays in there. Uh, big takeaways from this one, Xavier, boom, upsetting Vandy. Really impressive there. The Vandy pitching just got too thin, too injured. No Carter Holden, Hunter Owen, clearly not a hundred percent. And Xavier pulling off that one at the end there of course they had a lightning delay in the top of the ninth right before vandy was going to try to come back 
what is it like four hours go by and then Xavier comes back on the field. Vandy just goes one, two, three in like four minutes. And then that was the end of the game, which was both very funny and extremely lame to kind of have that be the ending of Vandy's season. But uh, last, and then Oregon kind of showing up, balling out, uh, beating Vandy in that one Oh game and then really taking care of business against Xavier. Um, but Xavier battled disappointing ending for Vandy. Uh, but I don't know, like their resume was, was totally solid. They, they did prove us wrong a lot this season, but it just didn't really feel like a special Vanderbilt team at any point this season, I would say. Whereas Oregon, love to see him coming out of the Pac-12 and just winning this regional. Really cool to see. Really cool to kind of watch them. You know what's great, Steve? Watching them on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a new feeling. I thought I was in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's Riku Nishida in HD. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible stuff. So uh, very cool to see with them. A little bit worried how they're going to patch together the innings uh, in their regional against Oral Roberts, but they get to go home. They get to host a regional. Very exciting to have. Uh, we will have two. How about that? We had one uh, uh, West Coast <laughs> regional and two West Coast super regionals. That is a, a kind of a fun twist, which is uh, very cool to see. So credit to the Ducks. You love to see that because, like, there's no way to accidentally kind of make that happen. It's it's just got to be completely random. Like, right. if I if you told me to sit down before regionals and you like gave me a word problem and it was like, hey, Steve, so if one West Coast team hosts regionals and two West Coast teams host super regionals, what, what happened? happened? Right. I will say I don't know. And this is a weird math test, um, but it like, so to see Oregon come out to the East coast, say, Hey, West coast baseball is good. You guys are going to watch it. All right. Mm-hmm. And if you like it, we're going to go back and film it over there. Um, and they're doing that. So I I'm excited it. for them. I love it too, because, you know, Oregon state who we've seen them hosting regionals pretty recently, regionals and supers recently, Nice to see Oregon out there. Going to see Oregon, which, by the way, I heard there is some uh, schedule conflict with a minor league team, the Eugene Emeralds, that also uh, play their their home games there. I think they were supposed to have a home series this weekend. Sorry, buds, you're going on the road because the Ducks are back in town. Uh, who's coming to town to Eugene? It's the Oral Roberts. Are they also the Golden Eagles or just the Eagles? I don't want to throw color at them, but. <laughs> They are I mean, also the I, Golden Eagles. Sorry. Okay. I have a lot of propositions for them of what they could be um, that I won't <laughs> go into. <laughs> uh, Oral Roberts goes into Stillwater and wins what was once again a very chaotic regional. Oklahoma State, a fairly pitiful showing all around, losing that opener and then just getting stomped by DBU. Um, just not a great look for a team that most people were like, that's the Big 12 team I believe in. Oops. That's not looking so great. Um, so they go out 0-2. Washington battles. They win that first game against DBU. I thought DBU was going to come out of this regional. They did their best. They made it all the way back. Uh, but then Oral Roberts gets the job done. UW, who was up big against Oral Roberts and then just gave up like 12 unanswered runs in that one okay. That was kind of ridiculous. Uh, And then look at ORU just going undefeated, extending their winning streak to what, like 23, I think I gotta, I gotta check that. Um, But they have just so impressive. How much of this regional did you catch? Uh, I didn't catch a ton of it. Watched all the recaps though. And 
let me just say, as a college baseball fan, would have really loved it if DBU and Oral Roberts were on different in different regionals. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like DBU is a team that's always like, oh, this team isn't talked about as much, but they're really good, even though you know they're talked about more and more every year and they are equally good just about every year. So I always like tweeting about them in supers and saying like, hey, just in case you didn't know, Dallas Baptist is in a super again because they're very good at baseball. Um, so running into Oral Roberts, that kind of takes away from the fact that I can't tweet DBUs and super regionals now. I can only tweet Oral Roberts. But I think it would have been really big just for Texas to have mm-hmm. both those schools in there because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, even our smaller schools mm-hmm. are are doing something because Oral Roberts, they're in Texas, I believe, right? So, oh, oh, oh no, 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 Oklahoma, they're Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh, DBU, sorry, yeah. yes, sorry. Um, okay, I get caught up because Adam Oviedo, who I play with for the Katua Cataliers, played at TCU, then transferred to Oral Roberts. So, I just kind of assumed they were both in Texas. <laughs> it's very I, fair, if I'm being fair. honest with you, because he didn't seem like he moved far, never saw a U Haul in the Snapchat story. So, um, you can blame me all you want, but <laughs> I assume uh, they're close. Oral Roberts. They're uh, outside of Tulsa or in Tulsa. Last yeah, lost the game sense. on April 22nd against North Dakota State. North Dakota State's got to be feeling good. They're like, we beat these guys. Yeah. <laughs> these clowns are in a super regional. Um, so Oral Roberts has won 21 in a row. Uh, very impressive. And now they will head to Eugene. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Uh, let's move down to the last two regionals in Terre Haute, where Indiana State took care of business at home. Very impressive to see them uh, just do again. Oh, should Indiana State host? Yes, we should host. We'll beat Wright State in a close game. We'll beat Iowa in a close game. I mean, all these games were close. Like, they, they had to earn these. Iowa battled them tough. Um, our man, Blake Guerin, hitting a homer. Love to see that uh, when they uh, took down North Carolina. But then Indiana State. Coming out of this regional, very impressive. Going to a super regional, and they they, they under, like this was not an easy bracket here with Wright State with you know UNC and Iowa, and they they had to like that's why they got sent those teams. I was like, all right, go prove it, and they did it. They did it. They are they are very fun to watch, and we know they will not be hosting this weekend. We'll get to that here in a second, but still really impressive and and great to see some other mid majors in the super regional round. That's that is a very uh thing we're always rooting for. Yeah, and. A lot of people were saying, oh, this is a weak regional. Oh, it's the weakest regional because there's no SEC teams. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here that I found out as being a college baseball insider, and that is that there's talent in other places too. Iowa and North Carolina both have an insane amount of talent on their rosters, whether it's, you know – Mac Horvath blasted bombs. Blake Guerin blasted bombs. And he's a bench guy. He didn't even play that much this year. And Brody Brecht throwing 100 miles an hour. To everyone who said, oh, Indiana State's got a cakewalk, look at when your team faced a guy throwing 102 with the best slider in all of college baseball. And let me know how they did against him. Because uh, if that's easy and that's easy for your team, I would love to see your team face average um, because you you must put up 500 runs a game then 
if yeah, right. this is so right. weak and so easy. He had to throw at least one of these games against somebody. That can't be easy, easily done. And then you get the rest of these guys, all these talented college ball players there, and it's just a, it was a it was a fun regional to watch. Um, love the tombstones out in left field. It's just like that is the wacky and weird that college baseball is all about. I know I used to say it a lot. I say it a lot less now, so it means more when I say it. Um, but that, like the wacky, the weird stadiums, that's why college baseball is great. You get all sorts of different things. You know, some places you get, oh, this is a major league ballpark. We're in the South. Some places you get, oh, this is the Midwest. It's haunted. Who cares? Who cares? F it, we ball. I don't care if you, if there's, you know, people who served in the first ever army in the 1800s or whatever it may have been that people are, people are buried out there. We're still going to ball out on the field and give them a show, which if I get buried one day, when I get buried, make it in Terre Haute because yes. our, well, hope. Hopefully I've learned how to say that before. <laughs> well, I'll be dead already. So the yeah, not your problem. Yeah, not my problem. Just put me there. Uh, yes, NDSA. Go Sycamores. Let's move to our final regional. Fayetteville. Mm. Mm. This was a weird one, Steve. This was a pretty weird one. You know, rain yeah, interrupting strange. those first couple days. And then here come the frogs. Oh, my God. Look at the frogs. Just whooping Arizona. That's another one that does not look great for the committee is Arizona coming in and going a quick 0-2, getting stomped by TCU and then Santa Clara. So that's no bueno. 12 to 4 over Arizona, 20 to 5 over Arkansas, and then 12 to 4 on the final day. Just quick work for the frogs. Trey Richardson with <laughs> two grand slams in the first two innings. In the 1-0 game, absolutely absurd. He had three homers on the day, more than the two he had the entire season. Trey Richardson, a player who I was very fascinated by last year as a, as a very young for the class, draft-eligible shortstop at Baylor. He transfers to TCU, and you know he's been he's had a solid year, nothing t- super amazing, and then he has this incredible moment in the regional round, taking down an Arkansas team that's right in the three-seed, man. Like, this is no small thing to see this three-seed going down and uh, but that's what we did. That's what happened. The three seed goes out at you know at Bomb Walker, where they are usually you know pretty invincible, and kind of a disappointing ending for an Arkansas team that we were impressed by the body work. They just kept winning series, and it didn't matter the injuries, whatever. It had they even had a moment there at the end with Jace Borofin, and then it just TCU was relentless, and the Frogs, uh, <laughs> Super Frogs, uh, here they go, and I'm I'm impressed with them, and, and honestly, like. That's a team that I really haven't given much respect that I, I I do find pretty fun to watch. I think it is a pretty interesting group with Braden Taylor, Cole Fontenelle, a really underrated player. Uh, we'll see how their pitching shakes out, but if they're going to score this many runs, it's really not going to matter that much. Yeah, Trey Richardson going off was just incredible. Like, I think he had two home runs all season, and then he had four in this super yep. regional, and I think it was spread across just two games mm-hmm. that he did that in. So that's that's crazy. I mean... I mean, Jordan, you're surprised. Was anyone surprised with TCU winning this one? Well, some I, people you you weren't you weren't surprised because I I mean it was more about Arkansas. I mean, the, the, some people have made the comparison of of Oklahoma last year, 
with the run yeah, they kind that... of went on late with the Big 12. And I feel like TCU does kind of reflect that in some ways. I, I can see that. And I love where you're going. But this was no surprise to me for completely different reasons. Oh, we please look at tell the, me. We look at the forecast. Lots of rain, right? <laughs> okay. Arizona there. Arizona. They're Wildcats, right? Arizona Wildcats. Okay. Yeah. Santa Clara Broncos. I'm sure they've been in storms before. Arkansas Razorbacks. Okay. A frog. Frog do well in the rain bring it on that but the problem the problem i run into with this though is it's a horn frog which i think is more kind of it's more related to a lizard than like frogs Mm. i would say it's more reptilian i i think Mm. um just based on it not amphibious so that's why it's surprising but having that close relation to regular frogs i'm sure i'm sure it helped them out dealing with these wet conditions the sticky or the slippery ball becomes sticky for them, which can really pay off. But no, I mean, all in all, it was just a great regional to watch. I mean, tons of talent was in Fayetteville. And really, I could have seen just about any of these schools pulling it off because that's kind of how these schools are. Like, it, it's a bunch of teams. I feel like that was four teams that get together, and one of them always does really well. And sometimes a team will do well in weird ways. So it was interesting to see who would step up, but I'm excited that it's TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm really excited to watch them hopefully make a run to Omaha because I remember peak peak college baseball fandom before everything happened that I went to college and, you know, my fandom changed a lot because of personal experience. But I'm talking like eighth grade going into high school. I love TCU. Like yeah. there wasn't, if there is a college that's like, I don't think we should put money in our social media here. Listen to this quick anecdote. And here's why you should. There was not a eighth grader in the nation in the year 2011 that did not want to play college baseball for TCU strictly because of the grind video on YouTube. The Beep, beep, beep. Wake up. It's 6 a.m. and your hand can't even make it to the alarm clock before your mind keeps telling you you're too tired to wake up. Literally burned into my brain. I could keep going. But that is every kid who is interested in college baseball wanted to go to TCU because they wanted to work hard because of that video. So if you're wondering if you should invest, invest because I know there's millions of people who like that or not millions but however many people are listening that triggered something in their brain form. Mm. And I might tweet that video out later. You today. should. I, I barely know what you're talking about. So I'm excited. Really? To see. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Maybe I do. And I, it's more of <laughs> get a, ready to go frogs. Get ready to go frogs. I'm you excited. I'm excited. Start, I haven't gone to the gym in probably a year now. I might go to the gym <laughs> after tweeting this video. I might Great. I look forward to seeing it. Uh, all right, Steve, we've already gone almost an hour. So let's wrap this up here with a little bit of Supers chat. The main things for, for Super Regionals going into it are, first of all, it's going to be in Hattiesburg, not in Knoxville. I know some people wondered where that was going to happen. The other thing that's important is that TCU will be hosting instead of the seated Indiana State. That's because Indiana State has some scheduling conflicts in Terre Haute involving the Special Olympics, and Indiana State does not want to override that or do have anything involved with intervening with that. It's totally respectable, understandable decision, so that makes sense. Um, and TCU will host. I do believe Indiana State will still get to be the home team in two of those three games, but those games will take place in Fort Worth. Steve, let us. It's impossible to do this, but let us rank the eight supers for how much we are excited to watch them. 
I don't know. This is, we're just going to do this off the top of our head here. Okay. So this is kind of tough. Um, and you know what? We'll move Virginia aside. So you're really ranking seven. Okay. okay. <laughs> so you only have gonna... to rank seven. Again, I'm excited for all of these. So this is no slight, but in terms of the ones you're most excited for, what is the top of the list? You know, let's just pick three. Let's just pick the top three that we are most excited for. We don't have to rank all of them. Okay. Um, I'll start off with, I'm, I'm excited for uh, Texas or Tennessee and Southern Miss. Sorry. Yeah, I was that's looking number one. at just I think it's pretty now. comfortably number one. Yeah. I think, I think that'll be fun. I know there's a lot of drama of, oh, should it be in Hattiesburg or, mm-hmm. or in Tennessee? Well, Here's here's the thing. It's Scott Barry's final year. I know that one's true. I tweeted thank you to him. So it's got to be. Otherwise, I'm going to have to delete some it is, tweets. It is definitely true. Um, so, you know, anytime a coach is in a final season, you want success for him. Um, Sienna obviously got bumped already, so we can no longer pull for them solely based on coach. So I'll pull, I'll pull for Southern Miss and Tennessee to have a really fun regional. I think that's going to be very high energy between these two teams. Um, Tweeting-wise about them, I am nervous at how much hate from each side I'm going to get, even though, just a quick reminder, either team could win. Don't care. Don't care. Either team could yeah. win, and I'm fine. Um, I like them both. I like all the players. Mm-hmm. So just know that I'm rooting for everybody. But that that's the first one I'm most excited for, aside from, yeah, of course, Charlottesville. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I agree with you. I think for me, it's that one. I think Oregon Oral Roberts is, is so much fun mm. with uh, the fact that neither team has been to Omaha. So Oregon was last in a Super 2012, Oral Roberts 2006. But Oral Roberts last in the World Series 1978, Oregon 1954. So that is one of those teams going to Omaha for sure. And that is ridiculously cool. So that'll be very fun to watch. And Oral Roberts is just a really fun team to watch. So that's, that's one. And then of the other ones, I'm definitely torn between the SEC matchups of LSU, Kentucky, and Florida, South Carolina. With how well South Carolina played, I am fascinated. And with how shaky at times Florida looked, I'm super interested to see if South Carolina can kind of ride that wave um, into Gainesville. That'll be very impressive. And then I think LSU Kentucky is also just a big one. Kentucky, oddly, the only team in the field that has never been to the College World Series. So yes, you know, Duke hasn't been since 1961 and Wake since 1955. And I just mentioned Oregon, but Kentucky has never made it. So if they can pull this unbelievable upset, it will be amazing in and of itself, but also because... They will be in Omaha for the very first time. So I think those are are the top. And, you know, Stanford, Tech, like I'm excited for all these, but Stanford, Texas, we both saw both of those teams in the World Series last year. So that's, I think, comfortably the bottom of the list just because they're so fresh. But I do like a lot of players on those teams. So if you had to pick one other one, what would you say? Uh, Florida and South Carolina. Give me that one. That one is going to be, you know, we have a few SEC series just kind of going on mm-hmm. in super regionals. Um. Well, just two, but either way, that's fun. But these teams, they know each other. The fan bases know each other. They've already screamed at each other online on the internet one week this year. So they'll do it again. Um, But no, it's just, it's going to be fun because 
it's two incredibly talented ball clubs going at it. One that has stayed relatively healthy. They kept their talent. The other that, you know, they've gotten hurt and talent has stepped up from what I would say are unexpected places and players because not that these players are untalented, but because it was unexpected that they're even playing because they were healthy guys in front of them. So to see them step up has been really cool this season to see them still having their season going on while everyone's injured and we're talking about all these injuries is even more impressive. So I think that's going to be a really action-packed one. You know, you get opening game. I'm not sure how they'll line it up, but Will Sanders and uh, and Brandon Sprout to open up super regional action would be really, really I'm curious about Will Sanders because he basically lost his rotation spot, but then he pitched in the regional out of the bullpen. I know they've gone and- Jack Mahoney. They've used some of the other guys. So curious how the pitching lines up. I agree with that. I mean, Waldrop looked amazing. Oh my God. I'm, I'm so in on him. Um, but yeah, so that, that's a good one. I think that'll be obviously a blast and you know, they, neither team has been in super regional since 2018, which is kind of surprising. Uh, the last, and then I just wanted to mention quickly, like Indiana state, it's been the longest for them since being in a super regional 1986. So Indiana state TCU is, is obviously also fun. So, and then consider, by the way, wake forest, you're like, Oh, what, what about us? Consider this as a sign of respect that I just assume you're going to roll. <laughs> it's not yeah. actually going to be that competitive and entertaining. Uh, and then I guess finally, Steve, let's just end with this. Are you going to Charlottesville this weekend? Yes. Yep. Yep. I'll be there. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to be there. Um, will Will I be a little little hammered depending on how the game goes? Yeah, probably. I like the I I like the idea of a little hammered. Yeah, just like. So my definition for a little hammered, and this is how baseball games work for me, is if you're drunk in the first and it is better to be drunk in the first and second and third innings than at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's because you can't buy beer at the end. Mm -hmm. So it's impossible. But also it's just like then you just coast the whole day, the whole game. You're just like at a good level. That is the best way to enjoy them where you aren't like blackout drunk where you don't know what's going on but you're on that borderline of buzzed like if i have one more i'll be there but if i if i don't drink for an hour and a half i'll be back to neutral Mm -hmm. so it's it's a fun way to enjoy it and that's how i'll probably be enjoying this one so well steve i look forward the duke uh uva super regional will be the first one to begin at noon on friday that'll be the first pitch mm-hmm. uh, we got four of them starting on friday four of them you know going saturday sunday monday and uh man it's gonna be an absolute blast i hope you have a good time maybe hopefully we will see the who's in omaha of course we'll be heading to omaha next week very excited about that you probably will not hear another podcast from us this week um so we hope that this sufficed as a as a brief little super regional preview Obviously, subscribe to D1Baseball.com. So much incredible stuff on the site right now. All kinds of coupon codes you can find on Kendall Rogers' Twitter. All kind of, you know, coaching stuff's going on. Wes Johnson's at Georgia. Like, I don't know what that means for LSU this year. All kinds of crazy stuff that smarter people than us who know more about those things can cover. Uh, But we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Jake will join us. Uh, Steve, send us out on this episode of The Shock Factor. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in once again. Um, It's been an honor to have you. It's been a lot of fun all season long. We're going to try to finish it out strong here. Um, We, 
moving forward, we're going to have a few more episodes talking about college baseball, talking about the playoffs. And then at the end, we're going to have an episode about one team because there's one team left. Um, so make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can know when those come out and when you can hear us talk about college baseball. Um, thank you very much as always. And I love you. Let's have a great week. The Shock Factor Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.